Hello and welcome to episode 84 of TLDR Podcast. It is Monday night at 8.30 p.m. We're a little late because of me. I had a basketball game to cover. Uh, and our team lost like its second game of the season. And we oh. obviously don't know how to lose because, I mean, like we just don't lose ever. But the feeling inside the gym after that loss was just bad. Mm. We, we never feel that way. But it is what it is. Um, it's Monday, like I said, so I hope you guys have had a eventful weekend. Uh, I think everybody else on the podcast did. Tyler's friend broke his bone and um, Trayden golfed and did not do as well. Well, I, it, my friend broke his ankle, too. I mean, he's my friend, too. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, Our I friend. had to have something for somebody. You know, ah, like, like Tyler yes. needed something. I don't know what else he did this weekend, dude. Yeah, I actually did. He just really sat great. on his thumb all day. I don't know. I, did, I, did, I, I, I did. had a great weekend. To be fair, I didn't really Nobody golf. cares, Tyler. just... Hit a ball, Brutal. hit a golf ball, over a hundred times in a round, but I, I didn't really golf. <laughs> I hit it. I ended up with one hundred and three. One of my worst scores in a very, very, very long yeah, time. It was you bad. Trade in what? What was you? You trade I, I, I left. I, I stopped keeping score. It was that bad. <laughs> it was still a fun time though. Like we got yeah. adequately plastered, just a tad. So By the end of it, trading, it's like, dude, I feel buzzy. <laughs> yeah, so it was good. Um, he went and go saw a movie too. How was the movie? Trading, you saw a movie, like the it was movie fun. Movie. I mean, it, it, look, it, it, I'm not gonna say it's gonna win any Academy Awards. Moonfall um, did come out last week. It was fun. I mean, it was you know, it's one of those films that is enjoyable to watch. Um, I, if you've ever seen 2012, if you've ever seen Armageddon, I believe that's the director of, of this film. Um, both of those films are fun. I mean, Armageddon is a classic, in my opinion. Um, as ridiculous as it is, uh, Moonfall is not gonna be a classic, but it's fun. Like I said, that's what it's for. I mean, um, you know, if you're if you, if you're looking for something to just do, go see it. It's fun. Go see Moonfall if you're looking for something to do. I like that. And then Tyler, on the other hand, witness his friend break his bone, who is also Traden's friend. If you guys haven't realized yet, <laughs> Traden has two friends. Oh my god, Whoa. one of them broke his bone. Um. Anyway, and he said Traden or Tyler said that he had a really fun weekend. So Tyler, what'd you do? Yeah, Friday night uh, was just a nice uh, four-year anniversary, um, and it just happened to also land on uh, LMU Baseball's fundraiser event, which was held at uh, a winery in Malibu. Um, it was super cool, a uh, really great event that they put on there. Uh, we had a lot of a lot of good good wine, good food, uh, played some poker. Um, didn't win any money, but I won a few hands, so that was nice. Um, I think Jess got a, got a flush on the first hand and then didn't win a single one the rest of the night, but at least she started strong. Um, and we also got to meet, uh, Dave Roberts, which was, was super cool. Wow. Uh, Dave Roberts, um, the manager for the LA Dodgers in case any of you guys don't know that, uh, his, his, who's, who's, who are the Dodgers again? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, his son plays, <laughs> his son plays on, uh, LMU. So, uh, that's why he was there. Uh, introduced myself, super cool guy. Uh, super happy that I met him. I think Jess was super starstruck and it was pretty funny, but, uh, it was definitely, uh, very cool to meet him and just a great all around night, Friday night. Uh, so, that, so that was super cool. And then, yeah, unfortunately, one of our teammates uh, yesterday broke his bone sliding into the board, uh, tried to go on a hard play there and just uh, wasn't able to stop himself. And hopefully he, he uh, hopefully it's not too serious and hopefully he can come back stronger. Uh, but yeah, you, you always hate to see that, um, but hopefully uh, strong and hopeful re- recovery to uh, our boy, Sam. So hopefully he, uh, he's doing all right. If anybody counted the amount of times Tyler said hope in that sentence, it'd be more than two. Speaking of two, we're about to do a segment on two things that the good, the bad, and something statistically numbers about the NHL. And Trayden's going to lead it. I'm not really entirely sure what we're doing, but it's called two things. Trayden, it's all you. 
All right. Uh, thanks, James. So I actually took some inspiration from basically a, a, a an Oilers like post game podcast that I kind of lit with that my dad and I kind of tune into to to see what what writers of the you know or beat writers of the team kind of think about thought about the game. They give their player uh, rankings, yada yada. And their podcast is called Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers Podcast. So I'm like, you know what? Why don't I try doing this? And if it works, you know, given it that it's the halfway point of the season, I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw this out there. If it works, maybe I'm going to, instead of doing the oh damn moments or, or holy puck moments, I'll do I'll do the two numbers, two, or two good, two bad, and two numbers podcast on a weekly basis um, if you guys enjoy it. Um, because it kind of gets, gets, you know, f- the fun vibes, the bad vibes, and just kind of that's interesting stats of the, of the, um, of the, of the week, or the, in this case, half the season. So we're going to start with two good things. Um, what, my first good thing I have to say after this half uh, halfway point is James, you're going to love it. The Anaheim ducks Ascension. Um, the Anaheim ducks have come out with what was, you know, was supposed to be a, mediocre to shitty season if you ask if you ask any of the tldr guys even james <laughs> and you ask um you ask any anybody actually out there that 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 pegged this team to be you know on the on the upswing but still way behind you know they're they're not they they weren't supposed to be where they are but currently they sit second in the in the uh in the pacific division um, I believe that's good for, uh, yeah. So second in the Pacific division, granted, they do have some game, uh, they do have some more games than, than Calgary and Edmonton, but Hey, it's, it, it really doesn't matter at this point. If you know, you're, you're, you're in a playoff spot, James. Um, the craziest part of it is, is, you know, the fact that the young guys are, or I guess to start the fact that the old, the prior GM did nothing to change the team over the postseason is, is probably the most stunning part. Um, the coaching staff and the team has had to kind of rely on who they have now. Um, we've seen breakout years uh, or a breakout season by Troy Terry, which, you know, he's, you know, he went to the all-star game. He's been an absolute um, star for them. Um, you continue to see John Gibson, you know, back up or back that net up and, you know, nothing can get past him seemingly. And then you have Trevor Zegris who's doing incredible things on the ice. And so James, I want to ask you, you know, <sighs> I, I know you're obviously pleasantly surprised, but how do you feel about your ducks halfway through the season? And do you see them finding a playoff berth this season? Um, so I, I am pleasantly surprised just you'd said, because at the beginning of this, you know, you do these little previews and every single year it's like, Oh, the ducks, they suck. Oh, well, let's move on. Um, but this year, like you had mentioned, they're doing pretty good. The one thing I really don't like that's coming after that COVID break is Dallas Eakins. And you, you and I differ on this big time. You love him as a coach. I'm like, ah, maybe. I can't tell. Um, but well, one of the biggest fair, indicators. And then I've kind of let it go. So, so. Yeah. Uh, but one of the biggest indicators that I've seen so far is that Dallas Akins was coaching the Ducks and after this little break, and they didn't win a game. They won three games out of, like, 11 games. And then Dallas Akins gets COVID and has to sit out for the entire Canada trip. And, oh, my God, the Ducks went on a tear. He came back against the Red Wings. The Ducks lost against the Red Wings. Is Dallas Aikens the problem? Maybe. I don't know. But right now, it's not looking too hot with him on the bench. Like, he's got to change something up. That being said, if he maybe relies a little bit more on his assistant coaches, which they rotated, so every single assistant coach got a chance to be the head coach 
for that road trip in Canada, which I thought was great. So a lot of assistant coaches got their first NHL win of all time, like right there. That was really cool. If he listens to that coaching staff a little bit more and maybe gets out of his own head, they may have a shot. Right now, I think the Kings are looking better than the Ducks. As much shit as I talk on the on the Kings, the Kings look good. The Oilers are starting to look promising once again. The, I mean, the West, the Pacific Division is not a cakewalk, and the Ducks have to do better than they're doing now in order to secure that player spot. Yeah, the, I guess the only thing I'd push back on is how do you how do you uh, how do you take the first third of the season with him behind the bench? Momentum. When momentum gets taken away, you which had nothing did. to go into the season. You can't, you can't say when that. You win, when you win three games in a row to start the season. And he was behind the bench. Yeah, that's momentum. It continued going. What happened after the cold uh, break? So, so, I mean, you, you start the season with a three-game winning streak. You, you're going to tell me. And after, after the offseason, you know, changed absolutely nothing. So a coach that is relatively new to the team that didn't get anything and that didn't get any help had to scrounge together everything to get to even start a season. I, you have to, you have to at least tip your hat to that. Yeah. And I, I definitely, I'm not taking credit away from him. I'm just saying right now, he's got to find a different way to say things to get his team going. Yeah. You don't want to be like Paul Maurice and have to step away because nobody likes your voice anymore. Yeah. T- though the difference there is Paul Maurice has been there for, you know, like seemingly like 10 years. Uh, I don't think it was 20, 10 years. Um, and, and to be honest, and I think that we've talked about this now that you have a new GM, which I'm going to flip over to Tyler here. I think that, um, you know, unless something crazy happens, I think that Dallas Eakins time in Anaheim is probably going to come to an end as to your point, James, um, Tyler, uh, Pat, just really quick. Pat Verbeek was named GM of the Anaheim ducks. You and I are both Pacific division rivals for the ducks. Pat Verbeek is, um, Steve Eiserman 2.0, Steve Eiserman jr. This is a guy that 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 it followed under Steve Eiserman, who's one of the best hockey captains to ever play the game, and he has since helped to, helped create the entire Tampa Bay Lightning as we see him now, to an extent, before leaving, and now he's in Detroit, and they are looking much better than they ever have. How fucking concerned are you that Pavarbeek is now a GM in our division? Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta have a little bit of a worried attitude about it, I guess, because they got you know the best, the best kind of working the car, kind of building that team. And I think the team has already succeeded above expectations faster than we already thought, which is already huge for them. Add more, more very bright hockey minds to the organization and they're only going to get better. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a little bit of a, of a, of a concern, but um, for me, as certain terms of, of, of a Kings fan, you know, um, I don't think the Kings have been getting enough love to be honest with you. Um, I think the Kings have been looking very good this season um, and they, I think, have also exceeded expectations. I, I do think they're a little further along than the, than the Ducks are, sure. Um, but I think that, that they played very good hockey. They have a lot of great hockey minds uh, with them. So, um, but I love it. I think the only reason why I like the Ducks' success is because the Kings are along with them. I think when, when, the, when the Kings and Ducks are both doing well at the same time, it's really good for hockey. Um, wish the Sharks were also there with them. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I love that. Uh, Ducks Kings rivalry it was kind of dormant there for a few years and it wasn't as exciting Um, so I'm really happy that they're both back in playoff spots you know I think kind of the one caveat you kind of mentioned there earlier was um, you know with Calgary and and Edmonton looking behind them with with the amount of games that they have to play to kind of catch up to that they're not that far back in points with the amount of games they have left so they're definitely going to come back and make that race really interesting 
So don't get too comfortable Kings and Ducks fans. Like it's, it's going to get pretty interesting there with those two Canada teams uh, coming up pretty soon. For sure. I guess, uh, you know, thinking back, I probably could have said the, the good thing is the, the SoCal teams ascension. So I, yeah. that I apologize to you Kings fans. Thank you. Um, but uh, Anaheim Ducks sitting with a, you know, 929 team save percentage and five on five, their five on five numbers outside of that are a little bit weak, James. I think that you guys need to figure out your possession numbers, but you know, th- that, that, that's to be expected. You got a young team. They're going to come into the game. You, you guys are currently, or at least you guys were outscoring some of your issues. Um, Trevor Zegers is an absolute, um, you know, amazing star that is marketing the game in ways that I can never imagine. Um, and, you know, congratulations to, to Anaheim Ducks fans. I, I know you guys are having a fun season. My next good thing, Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri of the Colorado Avalanche is having an unbelievable season this year. Um, this is a guy that, you know, he, he, he has rubbed people the wrong way. He's a, he's a great hockey player, but you know, in, in the past, he's kind of, he's been plagued by his issues in the playoffs. He always finds a way to get suspended from, you know, from entire, entire, uh, series of, of playoffs. He did it twice in Toronto, they traded him. And then I thought that he would learn his lesson and he, sure enough, he did it last season. And to be honest with you, given his, given his spot as I believe the, uh, the, um, two C, uh, the second center on that on that um, lineup, he he's a huge part. Actually, he might even be third line center. I, um, I'd have to double check that uh, as I, I ask a question. But he's becoming such a he's a huge huge part of that that um, or, uh, that depth chart. And you know when when he does his stupid shit, he kind of puts himself into bad you know it puts his team into bad positions. But as of right now, the guy's played forty one games and he has sixty points that he, he's never had a season like this. He's never come close to point per game status. And at this point, actually always well, come relatively close, but nothing, nothing like this. He's way over a point per game status and um, you know, 19 goals, uh, 41 assists for, for this guy. He's, he's um, you know, scored 32 um, goals in the past, um, but you know, 41 assists, this is, that's unprecedented for this guy. He is absolutely tearing it up for, for uh, the Colorado avalanche. And I guess I got to ask Tyler, you know, not, you know, besides his, his issues, you know, n- now that you got, you know, um, Kale McCarr, you got um, Nathan McKinnon. Now you have a Na- Nazem Kadri that is going for it. And, you know, Colorado looks good. How concerned are you, you know, or how concerned should people, you know, or fans of other teams be of, of this Colorado team? They're looking like a, this is a historic season for this uh, franchise. Yeah, very concerned. I mean, I think we, everyone, I feel like the last few years have picked uh, Colorado to be Stanley Cup favorites and there was no exception this year. Um, they got to a slow start. I think we mentioned that probably early on um, in the season, how disappointing the Colorado Avalanche season had been started. But um, I don't think we're surprised too, too much of us are surprised that, um, that they've kind of bounced back here. I think they, they, they had too talented of a team to be able to be that poor all season long. Um, and they've certainly played ex- insanely good hockey the last two or three months or so. Um, so, and Kadri is a huge part of it. I mean, the more, when you can get a career year from a guy that wasn't expected to have a career year, along with guys that are already there that are contributing that, are your, that, that are your star, that are your stars. That's huge. That is absolutely huge for a team. That's already good. Um, so yeah, I think other than probably the, the a couple teams in the East there, uh, this this team is 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 something to be uh, reckoned with, and um, probably easy, easily top three Stanley Cup contender uh, for me for sure. Top contender to come out of the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean the, he, they're just having an absolute 
killer of a season. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're, they have some of the highest point percentage that we've seen in, in recent years, um, which, you know, we've seen the president's trophy team not do so well, but this team looks like they're not stopping. He is second line center um, after I look here. Um, so I had to double check that. But James, I want to ask you, this is the, probably the most important question. Can Nazem Kadri learn and keep his nose clean when they make the playoffs? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Probably not. Um, it's, but I think his play will overshadow how bad, like the mistakes that he made. Much like the, you were talking about the Ducks, how their offensive prowess is making up for the mistakes they, where their their power players making up for their five on five bad numbers, right? Here, Nazem Kadri is having a career year, like you had said, forty one assists. You know his career high for points in a season is sixty one. He's at sixty. Like he is so close. He's gonna eclipse that no matter what. And he's going to get into trouble. He's going to make stupid mistakes. He's, he's going to let his frustration is anger get the best of him. But when you're scoring at this high of a rate and putting up this amount of points, all might be forgiven. I'm not saying that two left, two evil things make a right or make it a good thing, but sometimes it's a means to an end. If you can, you can let him play within his game and let him make the mistakes he made. If he can still produce at this level and give you the same amount of points, maybe it'd be all right. You don't know. And it's crazy to think that the lot since the beginning of November, they've only lost eight games. And I think it's kind of coincided with Nazem Quadri's just ascension to greatness. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this. Um, I, I think that if he, look, I think that he's fine. He, he's going to be allotted for in the, in the regular season. He's going to be a huge part of them getting into the postseason. That's not a problem. It's the over under how many games it takes for him to, to, hit a guy high an unsuspecting guy high and he's out for you know an entire season if or an entire series if not a two series um and he's done that three times and all three times his team has lost that series so i i would have to oh he's out for an entire series yes so it's not even like a game or two. It's like well, you're no. Done. The the first one was the first the first one was was two games and then it's been compounded on top of that. And as as you guys know Whatever, whatever you would get, let, let's say it's a, it's a one game suspension. Uh, it, it, let's say it's a two game suspension in the regular season. That's equivalent to a one game suspension in the playoffs. Right. And it might even be compounded differently or, or can calculated differently depending on the series, such as, you know, a, a second or third round series. So I, I would actually push back at uh, uh, James and say his entire season will be completely forgotten if he, if he fucks up again in the, in the regular season. And he's the reason that they, that they, uh, you know, don't make it into make look they're They're a team that can't make it out of the second round. At least they haven't been able to. And if they can't do it again, because Nazem Kadri does something stupid. Do you think that that completely wipes away whatever he fucking did this regular season? I think it'd be foolish to say that it completely wipes away that his career year, because, okay, the playoffs are a big deal. And then also at the playoffs. Yeah but you can't disparage the fact that he's having putting up this many points, like in, in terms of overall standings and, and points scored for the entire league. He's up there. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't know where he is, but he, he's probably top 10 and you can't just throw away that entire season because uh, you're out for like, it, take it for example, what if it was an injury? If he got injured and was out for an entire series, right. right? And would that wipe away his entire. No, 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 no. But season? it's a lot different from getting injured than, you you doing something stupid to get you suspended for an entire series but at the end of the day at the end of the day what happens that you miss games 
regardless of what you did to earn that, either you're injured and you're, you missed the series or you do something stupid and miss the series. You still miss the series. Right. But you have, but you, you, you hundred percent have a, you have control over getting suspended. You don't have, you don't necessarily have control about getting injured. It's a little bit different situation there. And right? sometimes calls don't go your way. So what if you slip and hit somebody high and it's like not your fault and, and now you got suspended because of your history. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, you, you make good points. I'll tell you, <laughs> I've never seen someone slip, fall, accidentally hit someone high and get suspended, but especially <laughs> in the playoffs, but you know what? Never Who know. knows? I mean, refs are getting it's softer, right? Yeah. Refs are getting softer. Everybody's getting softer, dude. The world's getting softer. <laughs> so don't He might get thrown out for a game for just, you know, like swearing. He, he may he may he could be uh, like every, boogie cousins dude he, boogie cousins already, looks at the ref the wrong way and gets ejected from a game he's already on their shit list so and that that could very well be the case um before we move on i just want to say the guy has been has been involved in a third of every single one of colorado's goals this season what an absolute um season nazim kaji is having and uh good luck to you bud um i don't like you but I really wish that's for you. Um, two bad things. The first bad thing I have is um, the bottom half of the Eastern Conference. Guys, we know who's making the Eastern Conference um, playoffs. That, that is like a for sure thing. Um, James, I just want to ask you, do you think this is a problem for hockey? Uh, no, because I mean, like, let's, let's look at the bottom half, right? It's kind of the people that you expected to be there anyway. Like the Sabres, the Senators, the Red Wings, the Canadians, especially after all that happens offseason and Carey Price. The Flyers, the Devils, I mean, like the Jackets after they lost Torts and Seth, Seth Jones. Like the only real surprise there is the Islanders. Yeah. But other than that, like you expected everybody down here to be down here. Is it bad for the NHL? Not really, because it's kind of the way the way the world works. Like some people are going to be really good and some people are going to be really bad. And over time, that will flip. There's not a franchise that is always going to be really, really good and always be really, really bad. There comes a point in time where that franchise will ascend. But as, as of right now, it's just how the world works and how the NHL works and how all sports work. You're going to have to suck for a little bit. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, I, I would put Philly into the somewhat surprising spot. I mean, I did not expect them to have to be this bad. I expected them to be, I, I didn't expect to make playoffs, but the fact that they're behind Detroit and Columbus is, is like absurd to me, um, especially with the star power that they have. They just can't, they, th that's organization just fucking can't figure it out. Um, and, and it's turning into a bigger dumpster fire than it's worth. And they're, they're already talking about, um, you know, turning it into a, you know, they're pretty much starting over. I mean, and you know, Claude Giroux is going to be moved at the deadline. I, I would, I would suspect, which, which is kind of crazy. He's been the captain of that team for the longest time. But Tyler, really quick, I want to ask you about the Islanders. The Islanders have been shockingly bad, shockingly bad. And I want to just ask, like, I, I you know, I, I don't think we think that they can make the playoffs, but, you know, you never know. If you have if you have a 10 game streak that then you, you definitely put yourself back in that position. But what do you think of the Islanders? Are they are they, are they in trouble? Do you think that do you think that we're going to see them become like surprising sellers at the deadline? Or do you think this is just one year that they're going to say we didn't make it? Just forget about it. I would be surprised if they were sellers. I do think that this is just a weird year. Um, they got off to just a really, really bad start. Um, and I think they've been playing better lately, but certainly not enough to where I have any hope of them making a playoff spot, especially you see how far back they are in the standings right now. 
I mean, they're almost 20 points back of the second wildcard spot of Boston there. I don't, I don't see any of those top Eastern conference teams coming down at all. So I, I, I think there's a 0% chance that this team makes the, makes the playoffs. They, they, they might shed a couple of guys, but I don't think they're going to shed anyone ma- major of their team. I think they still have a really good core intact. Um, I think that that's, that they're still going to give it a go next year. Obviously if next year goes bad, then obviously you're going to, you're, you're going to see more, more of the team kind of blow up a little bit, but um, I think this team has had so much success the last few years. It is shocking to see them play so, so poorly. Um, I don't think there's any reason to, to, to freak out necessarily and completely blow this team up at, 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 the, tra- at the trade deadline. However, you know, I think they might make a, a couple small moves here and there, shed, shed some guys they think that they don't feel like is they're for the best for them moving forward. Other than that, though, I don't, I don't, I don't see this team completely blowing up at the, at the, at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're probably right. I mean, they do have Kyle, uh, Kyle Clutterbuck on. He's he's becoming UFA after this year, three and a half million. You have to think that maybe they would consider selling him, but you know, uh, he, he's not he's not like a star, you know, star studded you know, star. So he, he's a notable guy, but he's, he's you know, and he's and he's, a, he's a part of that leadership group. But I just don't think to your point, I don't think that they're probably they're going to find a way to get rid of him. He's a he's a 34 year old forward. Uh, he might find it. He might find a spot on a team that's looking for a little bit more depth, but um, maybe they just continue with them. They, 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 that, that's their own rental, even though they probably aren't going to be buyers and they just ride it out to the season and just kind of, you know, reload and kind of go for it. Um, just, just very shocking. I mean, it's yeah. just very, very shocking that the Islanders sit here. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody suspected that. Um, it's me, especially I thought if, if they weren't in the playoffs, I expected them to be maybe, you know, a point or two out, but they're just way out. Um, and it's kind of, kind of crazy to see. So, um, one, one, uh, second bad thing. Number two is the entire Blackhawks organization. This half of the season has been an absolute debacle. Um, you know, we, I, you guys remember it started with the, with the Kyle beach, uh, se- uh, sexual harassment scandal that I brought up. Um, and you know, they, they, I thought that they had focused on fixing that issue, um, and, and moving on. And it seemed like they were doing the right things. They, you know, they, they, fi- they fired a bunch of people that were involved, which was, you know, we, we, we have to, you know, while it was way too late, at least it was something. And then you fast forward and just last week, the owner of the, of the, um, organization had, you know, they had, they had their town hall meeting, um, um, a, a reporter asked a question basically asking, Hey, how, how could, how can you ensure that, you know, the next set of 18 year olds that are maybe that are looking to be drafted to the NHL, how can you give them comfort that something like this is not going to happen again? And he just absolutely blows the gasket um, basically says that we're not talking about 2010. We're not talking about Kyle beach. We're moving forward. Didn't answer the question. So, something that you'd think that is such a layup and such an easy thing to answer um, completely, um, you know, blows up and, and, and doesn't answer the question and, and completely ruins all the goodwill that the, that the organization, um, had, had accrued, not, but bef- not, but a day before that, the, uh, the team had just elected to tell its fans that, um, that if you want to, if you want season tickets, you don't have to get, you don't have to buy, um, preseason, um, tickets, which is kind of a big thing because most people don't want to go to preseason ticket, uh, preseason games and pay the extra money. The attendance for the games have been absolutely, absolutely atrocious, which is very surprising for this team. So James, I would want to ask you, man, like, do you see 
it, the Blackhawks finding a way out of this. They, I mean, it looks like it's a PR nightmare. I mean, and, and we know that um, we know that Rocky words, the owner is not going to be uh, punished. I mean, do you, do you, do you see that they could fix this and fix the goodwill that they've kind of tarnished? Yeah, they can fix it. It just will take a while. Um, you can't, this is not something you fix overnight. Like if sexual assault comes out and or anything of that nature, that egregious, it doesn't happen overnight. You can't just tap your fingers like that and hope to God that everything will be okay. It takes time. It takes a lot of goodwill and it takes convincing people that, hey, we're on the right track now. And with that, you got to focus on finding high quality individuals to staff every part of your team. It could be from the equipment managers to the ice crew, all the way up the ladder to your owner. And I mean, like your owner's not going to go away, like you just said, but he needs to really look inward and see what his values are and go from there. What do you value as an owner and that you see in, in a person? Because it's, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's a whole lot to, easier to teach hockey than it is to teach morals. So if you find somebody who has decent hockey experience and intelligence and stuff like that, and find like, and he's a good person overall, you look at that record and you see like, this is a high quality individual who can help this organization mature both on the ice and as a team to the community hire that person don't just go for the big name and don't just go for the dude who has all the hockey experience because sometimes too much hockey experience is a bad thing they're so set in their way that they're not open to changing it up and the game is changing we all know this everything changes over time and the mark of a good hockey coach is to adapt that given change but now if you just focus on somebody who has good hack hockey intelligence and is also a good person be a good person that's all that's all you need in life like it'll take you farther than you think Hey, I like that. Um, and you know, the Blackhawks have become, you guys know how much I hate the, the, the Calgary flames. You guys know how much I despise the Toronto Maple Leafs at this point. I think the, the Chicago Blackhawks are my most hated team in the NHL. Um, and Tyler, I want to add, and this, this actually goes off of what James said, hire the right people. Um, first of all, this, this might hit a little closer to you both. Um, just, just yesterday, uh, or it might've been today, the, uh, the Blackhawks fired in the AT of their AHL team because that person was, um, uh, was, uh, alleged to have, um, uh, alleged to have done some sexual harassment to, uh, we don't know, we don't know the story there, but, um, that's just an, yet another tarnishment on the, on the organization. Granted, they did take care of it, um, quickly, which is, which is you know, more than we can say about, um, you know, Kyle beach is incident, but Tyler, the, the, the G the GM search is still, you know, hot and is a hot button issue, especially after what the owner just did. And it just turned out that the Chicago Blackhawks interviewed Peter Shirelli. If anybody don't, doesn't know who Peter Shirelli is, he is the guy who completely destroyed the, the Edmonton Oilers roster prior to prior to, uh, getting, getting shit canned. And left us in a very, very um, bad um, state. The guy has has made considerably stupid moves, um, and c- has ruined. Um, you know, he he ruined Boston on his way out, in my opinion. At least, at least that was a little bit salvageable. And he's and he and he ruined Edmonton at least um, until recently. So Tyler, I, I mean, I guess I want to ask the same question: like, what are the fucking Blackhawks gonna do here? <laughs> It's uh, this is it's rough. It's rough to see because this was one of the the best teams in hockey for a long time there. Um, it's it's you know hard to see teams like that fall from grace in such a horrific way. Um, and it, 
as James mentioned, like, I, I don't think it's never going to get better, but it's definitely going to take some time. This isn't a team. I think they're going to be in the dumps here for a few years. Um, it's just, like I said, it's going to start from, it has to start from the top. And I'm not so confident that their owner has the ability to do that. I hope he does, but, he, but James is right. Like it, ha- it has to be the right type of people. It has to be the people that are going to be there, not just to win hockey games, but to have, have the right morals about them and, and turn this organization around because they're in the middle of, they're in a, not only a PR nightmare, but they're in uh, you know, just pure hockey nightmare. Like they're, there's all around this, 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 this uh, organization is a mess. Um, I think step one is fixing, you know, the moral. I think that that is the, mo- the more important thing. Get that figured out. Hire the right people that are good people that, and, you know, kind of change the culture of that team, which again, it's going to take time. That's going to take a few years to really get that in there. And then once that's situated, then start winning uh, hockey games. Um, I don't think the, the GM is going to fix that. You know, it, it, it's going to be a whole organization and it's going to take time. I mean, like I said, I, it, it's, it's a bummer because this Chicago Blackhawks team, you know, three cups in five years, you know, showed us some of the best hockey teams, best Stanley Cup runs that we've seen in recent memory. I mean, this is a very proud franchise. So it's not like this, this the fan base is, they, they don't expect this. They expect to be competitive every year and they're going through a rough time right now. And you see it in the attendance, they're not happy. Um, so obviously the owner should be motivated to turn this thing around, but it's not going to be quick. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to be a while. So see, the, the thing about this too, is that you don't want it to be quick. Uh, the faster you go about this and you might hire the wrong people. And it, if you turn it around too fast, the community and people were like, yeah, that, that team's fake. It happened too quick for my liking. I don't feel like they didn't do the due diligence and taking their time and hiring the right people. Sometimes you have to suffer in order to prove that I, I know I did. I know I messed up and like, I will atone for it in my own way. And it, it will take time. If you go too fast about it, for some, I don't trust it. Yeah, I no, I, I, I actually, I think, I think you make a good point. And um, tickets are selling for $8. It's eight fucking dollars for the Chicago Blackhawks who, you know, like you guys said, is probably the one of the most storied American franchises in NHL history. And, it is just so sad to see what's going on. And I just wonder if players even want to go there, you know, or if the employees there are, are if they're as, if they're nearly as proud to, to work where they do, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they, you know, used to say, Oh, you know, I, I work for the Chicago Blackhawks. It must be tough to say that now, um, especially given all the stuff that's happened, especially when you have what the fuck moments like, you know, what, what Rocky words did. So I, I can't say that I feel bad because Chicago Blackhawks dug their own, dug their own ditch and they, that now they're lying in their own pile of shit. It's what they have to deal with. All right. Uh, two numbers. Uh, no, the guys don't know about this. It's just going to be two numbers that I found very interesting in this halfway point. My first number is 10 and 10 is the number of players on pace to reach the 100 mark in the 2020, 20, uh, 2021, 2022 season. That includes Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Alex Ovechkin, Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberdeau, Kirill Kaprizov, Johnny Goudreau, Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, and Brad Marchand. Only one of the prior 14 seasons have ended with five or more 100-point scores, and that was six in 2018-2019. So we are seeing way more goal, way more goals by the, by the top guys, something that 
you know, I, I, I would not have expected to see 10 players reach the hundred point mark. I think it was like three seasons, three or four seasons ago that only one player re- reached the 100 point mark um, in that season. So I'm going to ask you guys, t- uh, James, who is going to get the art Ross trophy, which is the most points in the season of those wow. 10. Of those 10. Well, I got to look at the real numbers here, but I mean, it's, it's really hard to argue against somebody like Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl because they're perennially up there every single year. Um, who's number three and four, though? Just questions. Um, so the number one is Jonathan Huberdeau. Really? Uh, the number two is Dreisaitl. The number two is Dreisaitl. The number and three is and number three and tied for third. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, McDavid and Kadri. Number three right. is Nazem Kadri and Connor McDavid. So I'm going to have to go with dry saddle for this one. Reason being is that the Oilers need to score to win. We all know it. The Oilers goalie situation is not a good situation. The Oilers defense is not the best defense in the world. They're going to let in goals. So how do you still win games? You got to score more. And the one thing that Lee and Drysaddle is very good at is passing the puck. He got some really good pinpoint passing and he can also score. This dude can snipe from anywhere. Put that together, and the fact that also Connor McDavid loves to just toss the puck around as draws a lot of people to him because of that, you're going to have more opportunities for Leon Draisaitl to score more points. So I'm going to go Leon Draisaitl on that one. I like that he's one point behind. He is he is one point um, behind in or one goal behind in the goal race too. So uh, I like that pick, Tyler. Who do you got? Just be different. I'm going to go Huberdeau. Guys currently leading. Um, I mean, you That's a got, terrible you, pick. You, you got to love what uh, Florida's Lord. doing out there. I mean, look at, look at, I mean, 17 goals isn't exactly up there, but 47 assists. I mean, to me, having a high assist count is just consistency. That, that's coming in, and he, he's just a great hockey player that, that, that can create plays, that's putting his team in a, in a good, good po- position to score. Um, you can do that night in and night out. Goals will fall when they fall. Um, obviously, there's probably better goal scorers on this list for sure, but uh, Huberto, I think the most consistent guy, I think you see that with the assists. I think he'll end up with the uh, most points at the end of the season. I'm going to agree with you, Tyler. And I'll tell you why this Florida team are like, they, they are the golden state warriors of the NHL. They are scoring at a pace that we, I have never seen before. They, they, they put up nine point nine goals against the Tampa Bay lightning and they just did it because they can't, they are caving fucking teams in not even bad teams, but good teams. And Jonathan Huberto is leading that charge. He has 64 points, um, you know, in, in his 47 games. That's more than he had in his 55 games last season. He, um, he, the, the most points he's ever had in a season is 92. I mean, I think he's definitely going to um, uh, eclipse that. And I think that he's going to make a very strong move, uh, strong uh, move to get there um, because the entire team is scoring and he's involved with it. And that's why, I th- and, and that's the difference, uh, James, to your point, Leon Dreisaitl, I think is going to be with him every step of the way, because like you said, they have to score. Um, but Jonathan Huberdo is, it has so many players that can, that can feed him. And Leon Dreisaitl's depth chart is a little bit, is a little bit weak. And the way that the, the, the Florida Panthers are moving right now, whew, stay out of their way. Cause they will pound you into the ground and they have. Um, okay. My last one, one, is the number of alley-oop-style goals in the 2021-2022 season that have garnered millions of views and, in my opinion, has marketed the game in, be- in, more, in more ways than you could possibly imagine. Um, and I just need to continue to, to harp on this because it was an absolutely amazing goal by uh, Trevor Zegers and Sonny Milano. 
James does Zegris outdo himself? I don't, I, I would say that his, uh, his, uh, solo look, uh, Michigan goal was, was close. If not was there, especially was one fluid motion, but do you think he's going to do another one this season? Do another one. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't, I don't really know how you outdo yourself from that other than doing another one. Cause Honestly, I don't know hockey all that much, and I don't know what's cooler than that. I'm sure you guys have like an, have a vision of what's cooler than that, but to me, that was like the epitome. That was the apex of it for me because I was like, I can't even envision anything else other than that because I'm just not exposed to it. So that being said, I think for him to really outdo himself, he's got to do something cooler. And I don't know if he next time maybe he puts his hand over his face mask to maybe cover his eyes while he does it will that one up it maybe but then at that point you're like really showing off which is great let's do it yeah. bring more yeah. people to the game we we love it kids love it um he he uh he did say at the all-star game that he wants to try and score with the butt end of a stick which is a fucking absurd like i can't that's dumb it's dumb but like ridiculous if he does it so tyler i want to ask you you did you watch his insane thing that happened i don't even know what to call it at the all-star game where he dressed up as P, uh um as, as uh, the average joe i forget his name uh peter lafleur peter lafleur yeah uh from uh from dodgeball blindfolded i don't think he was actually blindfolded i think he i could think he could see through the blindfold let's be real people um uh and oh, the don't ruin my imagination don't ruin this for me and no i'm not trying to i'm not trying to i'm just saying um i don't know what owner would allow him to to put himself in a position where he could get hurt at an all-star game but nonetheless what even if you were able to see or you couldn't see whatever what he did was absolutely insane tyler try and break that down for me um yeah i i don't know how we didn't win that competition on that um Look, okay hold on we're, they're in Vegas. They're in Vegas. The house always wins. Alex Petrangelo is bullshit. Is the, hey, that's how it works, man. You go I, to Vegas, the house always wins, man. You know, I I watched. I didn't get to watch that event live, but I did watch the highlights. I still think that the freaking dodgeball thing was brilliant. That was one I of agree. the coolest things I've ever seen. How the hell that didn't win? I don't know. You know, whatever. Vegas home crowd wins. Whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to my guess. But um, you, I like I said, this this kid is lighting up the hockey world and the rest of the world in great ways. And like I hope he continues to do amazing things. I think it's only good for the game. Um, the fact that he's basically done like you know a, 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 he scored a goal on a Michigan. He's made an assist on a alley Michigan style kind of goal is amazing. He's done it twice already. It's hard to do it once in a career. He's then basically done it twice in a in less than a full season. Um, I don't know if he'll do it for a third time. I definitely think we'll see a lot more of this in his career overall um, for sure. Um, but dude, this kid's exciting to watch and you love to see it, man. It's, it's, it's every once in a while, there's the, there's these guys that they, they may not be the best all around hockey players or, you know, whatever play in the respective sports They may not be like, you know, the top of their, their, their class, but they're just exciting to watch. Like you tune in to watch these guys and Zegris is that guy in the NHL right now and you love to see it and I, and I hope and I hope he continues to do amazing things because I love watching this guy go yeah it, it, it's truly amazing and um Trevor Zegris you you are you you're you're flipping the NHL inside out at this point you're making you're you're doing things that I could not even imagine both on and off the ice and I really as a hockey fan who's trying to get more people involved that's the way to do it you the the ESPN was I know that ESPN had a, had a say in getting him to that all-star um, skills comp. Um, and that was a, that, that was absolutely perfect that they did that. Um, and with that, that's it. That's two number. That's two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast.
Wow, that was a mouthful. We're going to shorten that to two things. I think it went well. You guys think it went well? Yeah, me too. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk some football. Welcome back, everybody. It is Super Bowl week, which is a great week for everybody, unless your team is playing. In that case, you are nervous. Right now, my team is not because we got knocked out. So I'm just going to spend Sunday drinking and not caring, playing some beer diet, eating a brisket. Pristine Sunday, you if you ask me. That's that's the epitome of what I love. I'm going to get a keg. Train says no, but I'm going to do it anyway. It'd be great. <laughs> you are invited. San Dimas, Train's house. You oh, got God. a for everybody. <laughs> uh, that being said, Bengals play the Rams this week to win the Super Bowl trophy in Los Angeles, which I think is a little weird and a little biased, but it is what it is. If you're a true fan, it's really tough to get tickets because the cheapest ticket right now is about five grand. So the first question of the day is, how much would you spend or what would you give up to go to this game? Tyler, since you're a true Rams fan, even though you were Rams and Eagle stuff, you freaking weirdo. How much would you give up and what would you have to do to get tickets to this game? To be perfectly honest with you, probably not all that much. Um, I, I prefer to watch the Super Bowl at home with friends and I can drink as much beer as I want and it's way cheaper um, and enjoy it with more people. Um, obviously, there's probably nothing beats being at a game. I get that. Um, I mean, if everything was paid, is this like an expense free thing? It is if you give up X amount. You have to like give up maybe your leg. I don't know. Or maybe your, your future children. Maybe the person who's lending you money is now having to name your next three children. Is it just me that's going? Or do you get, get a plus one? one. <laughs> well, plus one. <laughs> and depending on if that person, if you're plus one decides to give something up as well, then they get a plus one. It's exponential. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like, I, all, all I've ever known with the Super Bowl is like going to someone's house and watching the Super Bowl at someone's house. Like that to me is what the Super Bowl is. Um, I've only been to Have one. Have you been NFL, to a game? I've been to one NFL game in my entire life. Um, and it was a Rams Niners game at, um, at, at the Coliseum. Um, great experience. I loved it. Um, I have not been to SoFi yet. I would love to go to SoFi. Um, so but I honestly, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I would give up all that much, to be honest with you, even to see my team in the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't, it doesn't, it's not something that really like, I I'd honestly rather just watch it with people at home and I can just enjoy that. I think, I think that to me is what the Super Bowl is about. If you ask me about the World Series, a completely different answer. But for the, the Super Bowl, I don't know. It's just, it's just not, not all that much, to be honest with you. So the thing about – it is a very boring answer. Uh, so I'm really hoping trains to something different I would, I would give up <laughs> – I would give up um, – uh, fuck. I'll, 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 oh, you'd give up that, fucking? Wow. Oh, my God. Whoa. Wow. Oh, you said I'll it, not us. You said it. Trade in. He answered fucking. <laughs> Trade in. You've been a SoFi. You know what it's like. And let's pretend that you're a big fan of either the Rams or the Bengals. You're a diehard fan, yada, yada, yada. So the SoFi energy and the SoFi stadium is infectious, right? Yeah. What would you give up? Because you've been there. You've been front row. You felt what it's like. It's yes. crazy. It is crazy. Um, I'd probably give up eating, let's say, let's say eating, eating meat for a month, which is kind of says a lot because I eat meat every single day, like three times, a, three times a day. 
I only say that because it's random and I'm trying to be fun, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've said this, I've said this to a lot of people. And as much as I love going to the NFL game, the, the NFL is in the, the way the NFL has, has, has shown the game on television is better than anything, any sports event, any sporting, you know, anything in the world. I mean, the, the, the way they market their game on television is better than, than any other sport out there. And that's why I'd, I'd actually rather now, unless, unless I can give up meat for a month, <laughs> or pay 500 bucks because that that's what i'd probably pay for a ticket i'll say 500 bucks 500 bucks that's it yeah be, be, because dude the, the 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 game you see well maybe it's because you know i i even though I'm, i i like the niners a lot the i i don't feel that close to football as as maybe you do uh again i like tyler if it's an nhl game completely different story but but the <laughs> game on tv it is done so perfectly and it, you see a lot more, you get a lot of analysis and, and the way that they just market their players, they market the game is, is so good. And, and the Super Bowl is, is kind of the creme de la creme of that. And uh, you get, and, and I guess that part of it, and now I'd love to go to maybe I mean, that's a bucket list thing. I'd love to go to the Super Bowl one time. Um, that was last episode, but that's it. thank you. Yeah. You fucked that up. So that was last episode, but thank you. no, <laughs> technically it wasn't not really that's not really yeah. doing something it's, it's not really a sport going to a super bowl it's an activity kind, not really not really that's that, that's like saying going to a movie is an activity it's not really an activity you're just sitting there it's a verb going <laughs> so, so uh i i guess it's maybe a distant bu- bucket list thing but like like i said the, the game is marketed so well and i, I can't say that i give up more than like 500 bucks so plus, those answers were nothing what I expected. Okay, to well, be. plus, plus, <laughs> if you go to the game, you can't watch the commercials. I don't care as much about the commercials. You're, you, you, even though the commercials are, you really care, you guys care a little bit about the commercials. I do. Like, you, I, pretty, do. I don't want to see Gronk. Tell me okay, he's special that. again. We already know about how she that commercial. That, that, they won't every, be doing that. There's always you like, there's always like will. one or two Super Bowl commercials that come on and we're like, nice. Like it happens, it happens every year. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Like that's, that's part of the whole day. It's like the, like, like obviously the game is the most important thing, but the commercials are a nice little, just like secondary part of what makes Super Bowl Sunday great. Along with being, like I said, like at a house, watching it, drinking beer. Now, now, now that said, all that shit. That said, you get to drink more at home. You get to eat more at home. You don't have to sit in traffic. You don't have to pay for parking. And, and like, if you need to go get food, it's not like you're going to miss much because yeah. you don't have to wait in line. Like You have, you to, do you have to walk 10 feet to the kitchen. I mean, just saying. All right, so everybody. James, you, nobody go to the Super What Bowl. you got, James? It's <laughs> not nobody, what we said. <laughs> nobody go to the Super Bowl. Watch from home. Let's go play on an empty you, stadium you, once You're again. asking guys that are not like, it's not like we are not football fans. We're football fans, but we're yeah. not like painting our faces wearing fucking like bangle face paint and shit like we're not that you know of course it's not gonna be orange and black because tyler hates orange and black i get that (laughs) uh let's move on to an actual football question here before i get way off track the Bengals defense is not as good as the niners defense we can all agree on that so for the rams what is more important the pass game or the run game tyler you go first Wow, that's a that's a really good question. That's a great question. I know it is. I thought of it on my drive over. <laughs> <laughs> um, ugh, shit. Um, I'm gonna say it's gonna be the passing game 
because it's their strength. Okay. So if their passing game doesn't perform to the way it should, because it's, 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 it's the best that they have to offer, they're going to be in some trouble because the Bengals also have, have a pretty good passing game. The Rams running game is not their strength. I think it's hit and miss. You don't really know what you're going to get out of acres or uh, Michelle, depending on who's kind of running that, that, that uh, running back offense there. And I'm not too concerned about the Rams running defense other side of it. So I'm not too worried about the Bengals running us out of the water either. So for me, it's the passing game has to be the more, the, the, the more well-oiled machine here, which I'm sure it will be, you know, obviously Matt Stafford, Cooper cup, and then you have throw all Beckham jr. In there. Um, Jefferson has been a nice surprise. Hopefully Higby is healthy, but we'll see about that. It's not looking too great. Um, but I think they have great depth on the, on receivers. Um, obviously Stafford so far in this playoffs has looked fantastic. Uh, so for me, that machine, that, um, the uh, passing game for the Rams has to be functioning at their best level. Um, the running game, like I said, just, just needs to complement it. I think I kind of said that about last game too. Um, it's, of course, it's important. Um, it can be a difference maker. Like if either, you know, Akers runs for 100 yards in this game, like I think game over. So it can certainly win or lose the game for them. Um, but in my opinion, like if, like if, the, if either one of those goes bad, I'd rather have it be the run game. Question for you, a follow-up question. Who has a better passing offense, the Rams or the Chiefs? A better passing, passing offense? offense. Um, I think probably on paper, it's probably the Chiefs. But, and, and also real life, the Chiefs. But they're so, not in the Super Bowl, so. Oh, yeah, I understand. What I'm saying is that the Bengals found a way to stop the Chiefs, who had a better passing offense than the Rams. Yep. And yet you're saying that the Rams' passing offense will be their strength against the Bengals. Yep. Okay, nope. just just clarifying. Yeah, Shane, do you think the runner or the pass is gonna be more important in this game for the Rams? Um, I, you know, it, despite what they did against the Chiefs, this 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 passing defense is still of the worst statistically in the league. Um, they're they're ranked really really low, but they're actually ranked quite high on the rushing defense. Um, and that's why I'm actually gonna say that the Rams rushing offense is going to be important. And I'll and I know that's kind of weird, but I'll tell you why. Because I think that if the Rams establish their ability to move the ball, to move the chains on the ground, it's already going to start to wear down that, that, that line. And it's going to give, it's going to give Matt Stafford the ability to, to then utilize his weapons when, when he can, because we know he can, we know we, this, this, this passing defense is not, is not very strong. And I, and I think that, and I think that the chiefs failed to, to, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that, but I, I, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is the, the, the way to the way to really open up that passing game is to establish that running game to wear that team down. And, and that's how you wear teams down is you wear them down on the ground, you get them tired, you start moving, you start having those long drives, and then you're going to start opening up the passing. I know it's kind of, it's kind of like a circular thing. Um, but that's why I think that their rushing game needs to be a lot better than it has been because it's just going to start to wear down the, the defense of the, of the Bengals and, and open up opportunities for them to start, you know, th th throwing the ball. I like that. Um, my next question is one of the biggest matchups that Super Bowl has to offer offense versus defense. It's going to be Jalen Ramsey against Jamar Chase. Jalen Ramsey is a shutdown corner who travels with the best receiver on each team. Jamar Chase is a rookie, but it is an amazing rookie. Who wins this matchup, the offense or the defense? 
Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback, or Jamar Chase, the rookie wide receiver? Traden, back to you. I'm going to say Jamar Chase. And, I'll, and, and it's not necessarily just because Jamar Chase it has kind of outdone himself this season, but it's actually the other side. It's actually Jalen Ramsey, who is, who is actually shown to be a little bit more of a sieve than he should be, especially at his level. Now, I'm not saying that he's bad. I'm not. I'm not saying, Tyler, don't shoot me. I'm not saying Jalen Ramsey's terrible as much as I hate him. Um, I'm just saying that we've seen him get exploited too many times. Um, and, and, Jay, and, and Jamar Chase is the guy that's going, that can take advantage of that. We've seen him do that. He has the confidence. He has the speed. He has the, he has the, he, he, he has the maturity of such a rookie guy that he's, he's, he's matured a lot this season. We've seen him transition quite a bit this season and he's, and he's found ways to, to beat his matchups and seeing what I've saw, seeing Jalen Ramsey kind of, you know, drop the ball, not literally, but metaphorically drop the ball um, at, at certain times in the season. It's like, Maybe J- maybe Jamar Chase is, has an opportunity to do that again, and I think that I think that he actually will. Just I, I just don't have the utmost confidence in um, in Jalen Ramsey right now. Tyler, do you think the other way? All right. So with that specific question in mind, it's it for Jalen Ramsey or Jamar Chase. I'm going to pick Jamar Chase. However, in this game, it's not going to matter because Aaron Donald and that defensive line of the Rams is going to absolutely destroy <laughs> oh, this Bengals offensive line. And, he, and, and he's not going to have a chance to even catch the ball that much. So it's not really. That's crazy. That really leads into my next, my next question. And it was how many sacks do the Rams defensive line get on Joe Burrow? Okay. The first, I don't have playoff game, first playoff game, there was nine sacks. But to Tyler's, to argue against Tyler, there was nine sacks against Joe Burrow. Yeah, Jamar Chase still had 116 yards. But let's answer the question. How many sacks will Joe Burrow take in this Super Bowl game? Tyler? Lucky seven. Oh, good number. Trading. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say five because I mean I think Aaron Donald can be stopped once, maybe. I mean that 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 matchup, what? that matchup, that matchup between I, I don't know who I, – all I know is, the, is, is it is a really, really terrible matchup, um, you know, with Aaron Donald and whoever he's against. It's not it, – it, it, it might as well be the little sled that they, that they practice on, you know, that you push. Like, it might as well just be that that he's pushing because it's not even going to be a fucking contest except maybe, like, accidentally make – he's going to slip on his face because he's, he's driving too hard. Maybe. maybe. Uh, and, yeah, I'm going to say five just, just, just to be different. To the Bengals offensive coordinators and the Bengals head coaches, as a 49ers fan, I've seen firsthand how people neutralize really good defensive lines. And that comes a very quick pass. The pass comes 1.2 seconds after the ball is snapped and you're running a slant every single time. And with that amount of time, there's no defensive lineman. Even if you're Aaron Donald with Tyreek Hill speed, you get to the quarterback. It just doesn't happen. It's physically impossible for that to happen. So if the Bengals utilize this kind of attack, a quick strike ability attack, slants, quick passes, screens. This sack total might be a little lower than you expect. Oh. Just a thought. <laughs> Last question of the day here before we move on from this. It's a simple question. Who's going to win and why? Tyler, Traden, somebody go first. All right. I'll take it. Uh, of course Rams are going to win. I mean, there's no surprise here. that I'm, I'm, I'm picking the Rams. 
Um, looking at the team stats for the season, th- these teams are actually really, really close, um, especially offensively. They've actually they averaged the exact amount of points per game throughout the course season, both at 27.1 um, points allowed per game. Defensively overall, they're also pretty close. Um, I think both these teams are coming in with, with, with a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger. It should be a really, really fun. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I think that the differences on the playmakers on the Rams' defensive side of the ball are going to be the reason why the Rams win this football game. I think that they're going to create a couple more turnovers, um, and they're going to force uh, that Bengals offense uh, to really, really press. Um, so that's why I feel like the Rams will win this game because of their difference, because of their playmakers on defense. And that's no disrespect to the Bengals defense who's, who's been playing lights out and been making amazing plays, as I mentioned. And I, and I, I gave him props for that last week. Um, but I'm going to go with the Rams there just because I, I trust their defense a little bit more here than, than the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm going to go Rams by, by three. I think it's going to be a really good, close, high-scoring high game. But I think it's, it's going to be close, going to be hard fought. But the Rams, are like I said, they're going to get that key turnover or that key defensive stop when, when, when they need to. Rams by three. You said high scoring. So what's your over under? Um, let's go. Let's go. I got to do math, man. Let's go 31-28 Rams. So Tyler's telling you just take the spread because the spread's like four and a half. Yes. Take the spread. Hmm. Trading Rams or Bengals. Who wins and why? The Cincinnati Bengals will be the Super Bowl champions for the first time in franchise history. Is it because they're and- sexy? And no, well, yeah, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's simply because Joe Burrow is a flat out winner and he will, and he has shown time and time again that he will, his story is, is incredible. And so is Matt Stafford. I'm not trying to discount that, but, but uh, Joe Burrow's, you know, ascension is, is, and his, his career path has been v- very, very amazing. And, and, you know, he, while I did say he's going to get sacked five times, he's going to be pressured way more than that. And he has shown in this last game and throughout this entire playoffs, besides maybe the nine sacks that he took, that he can stay cool and tough in that pocket. He can find a way to get out and make clutch plays. He is clutch. And that is so important in, in, in the Super Bowl. Like it is so important in playoff football. And you know what? They also have the greatest kicker that, that Cincinnati has ever seen and probably the best kicker in the league right now. And all that Joe Burrow and that defense have to do, well, first of all, they're going to exploit. Uh, I, I think I think that Joe Mixon's actually going to be a bit, bit important in terms of you, you might see him become a bit of a pass catcher, and his explosiveness is going to be able to exploit some of the you know m- make that quick pass, and they're going to exploit some opportunities to move the chains. Um, that's one. And also, we have seen time and time again that Joe Burrow does. And the defense will do just enough to put the ball into a position for McPherson to finish the game. And it's going to happen once again. It's going to be a three-point game over under 48. Oh, wow. I, the one thing I I love McPherson, but best kick in the league, I still think belongs to Justin Tucker. Just Is he in the Super Bowl? Longer. Has he made no. clutch Super Bowl kicks to oh. or clutch playoff kicks? Oh, okay. Absolutely, he has. Oh my God, he's known for that. That's like his I, I, thing. All, all I'm saying, okay, sorry, I, I I misspoke. Besides Justin Tucker, he's the best kicker. Fuck. There, there. That sounds a whole lot better. Thank you very much. I too believe the Bengals win because I hate the Rams. All right, that's my segment. Wow, Super that's Bowl. very very keen analytics. Well, that's, that's that's a good reason. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I could give you all the numbers, but you guys already did, so it's not really it's up to you. 
Yeah, cool. You said anus, weirdo. I did. <laughs> I did. Um, that is my segment. We're going to take another quick break. And uh, I hope you, you know, stay home while you watch Super Bowl, apparently, and eat a ton of food and oh. walk 10 feet to the kitchen and get some beer. That, that's what it's going to have to be. Sounds awesome. Stay home, watch Super Bowl. Unless you got $5,000 lying around. Yeah. Yeah, in that case, maybe donate that to, you know, a charity of your choosing. But other than yeah, that, nice TV to watch. Be TV. a good person. Be a good person. Don't go to the Super Stay Bowl. Home. Watch the Super Bowl <laughs> for the commercials. Oh, that's my God. segment. We'll be back in a little bit. See y'all oh. soon. With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company. They've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earned them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. Dimer started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might have been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting dimeruv.com and at dimeruv on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's dimer like diner with an M as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of them? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our boy, Eric. And like, as always, if you have some sponsors, sponsorships, want to give us free money, give us a gift card, I don't know. Let us know. We'll gladly take any and all of it, as long as it's ethical and moral, because that's where about a TLDR podcast. That being said, we're going to talk about the Olympics here. The good, the bad, the ugly. That's probably wrong. The segment's like the best moment and the worst segment of the Winter Olympics thus far, led by Tyler King. Yeah. All right. So Winter Olympics, in case y'all didn't know, it uh, started last week. Uh, it's very early in these Winter Olympics. So uh, this was a kind of a challenging segment, I think, for all of us to pick uh, best moment and worst moment so far of the, of the games there in Beijing, China. Uh, but real quick, I'm going to give an update on the medal count because that's the only thing that really matters overall is like who wins the Olympics and it's all about the medal count. So uh, currently in the lead is Russia. They have seven total medals, two gold, three silver, two bronze. Uh, and second place is Canada with one gold, one silver and four bronze. And then third place is the host nation, China, with three gold, two silver and zero bronze medals. Uh, our US of A is currently tied for ninth place on the medal count with four gold or, or with four medals, all of them silver. Um, so that's where we're at so far. Obviously, it's very, very early. We got about like what four or five days into these Olympic games so far. So there's still a lot of medals up for grabs. Um, but I'm going to go kind of around the horn and pick and ask the boys like what is their best moment that they've seen so far and the worst moment they've seen so far? Cause that's kind of what the Olympics are all about. There's a lot of really awesome things that happen and there's a ton of disappointment. It's, it's, it's a lot of heartbreak and a lot of excitement on, on, on both sides. Um, so hopefully you guys are enjoying the game so far, but trade, let me ask you like so far early on, 
what is the best moment you've seen at these Olympic games? Yeah. I mean, it was, it's kind of tough to, to choose. And there has been some pretty good moments. Um, I, I was going to initially say um, Nathan, Nathan Chen setting up the, the figures, the, the short program um, for figure skating team event. He had a great program, especially after coming off of the, the, the rough exit in Pyeongchang four years ago. Um, but I'm actually going to tip my hat to Max Perot, who, uh, who, who won the slope style, um, who the, the snowboarding slope style gold for Canada. This guy was fighting cancer, not but two years ago. The guy, the guy was fighting, was, was, um, was fighting cancer. He's 27 years old. So, you know, he's a little bit younger than me, um, almost, almost a year younger than me. And he comes back and has an unfucking believable um, run in the, in the slope style, which I, I, I absolutely love the slope style. It's one of the, it's one of the awesome. great, it's one of the great, um, the greatest snowboarding events out there. And he absolutely kills it with, I believe it was a 90.4 um, score, which I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, there's two Canadians that won um, medals in that, in that event, but Max Perot, I mean, to, to, to deal with what he dealt with and then to come back to the Olympics and get gold in slope style after all of that is unbelievable. And honestly, 27 years old in slope style, that's getting up there. That's getting up there. The, 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 the sport is getting younger and younger and they're doing fucking insane, more insane things than they ever have. And I'm, it'll actually, that'll lead into what I'm going to say um, about the bad things, but Max Perot, congratulations, man. Awesome. Love that. Um, James, you're kind of new to these, a winter or the winter Olympic games. Um, what do you got so far as your best moment? I think new is like an understatement, dude. Like I'm like a <laughs> newborn. Like I don't, I don't even know what I'm watching. You don't the time. even know what's going on. Yeah, not a clue. So <laughs> y'all are saying these names and these things like slope style. Wow, that's new to me. Didn't know what that was. So full disclosure, I've only watched like a couple of things so far, but at least I'm tuning into the Olympics. Now, one of the things I have watched though that was extremely impressive in my opinion is alpine skiing. Y'all, though, they like I watched the entire thing because it was really interesting. They go one by one down this huge hill where they go super fast, and Great. it's like they walk you through the first person as like a GoPro on them and they like strap you on and you go through the course with them. Right. And the GoPro. And I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Like going nice and slow. But then when you see the first athlete that goes down it and you see like, you see how fast they're actually going blows my mind. Yeah. And I have no idea how fast they're actually going. Cause it's in kilometers. So it's just like me, like I know miles per hour kilometers per hour is weird to me. Haven't figured that one out yet, but I will soon. But that being said, watching them just like, down the hill super fast and like they're in this mini squat half the time because they're trying to pick up speed and they're just going back and forth so cool were you That's watching the men's i don't know you don't know so it, it you probably <laughs> were watching sometimes. super g and yeah, to, they're, to, they're to, wearing stuff dude like i don't know to, to give you the to give you um some idea of what speed there is i mean that they're, they're going like 82 miles an hour 83 That's miles an hour that sounds very around fast. around super sharp turns and like the the amount of leg strength these dudes have is just off the charts and i yeah talk about a one minute wall sit oh my I, god i hope i hope no uh highway patrol are listening but i was i called kylie after our game tyler um and i was driving about 82 miles an hour home and she's like 
trade and they're going 82 miles an hour. I'm like, I'm driving that fast. I'm driving 82 <laughs> yeah. miles an hour. That's, like that's booking it on the freeway. That's I've fast. never driven that fast before in my life. That's so crazy. Oh, What's okay. it like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's but that's over cool. the speed limit here. So that's un- unbelievable. So James, I'm glad you you tuned in for that because that, that's amazing to watch. Yeah. That's amazing moment number one. Yay. Love it. Yeah. That's certainly one of my favorite sports to watch with just the pure off factor of it. Like I love that they put the, um, you know, how fast they're going at They're They're pretty consistently going between 75, 80 miles per hour down those slopes and super steep Hills off jumps. And they have to have to stop and turn and pivot. Um, the super G has a little bit more turns and stuff. It's, it's a little, it's a little more challenging, um but yeah it, it that one is an insane sport to watch and I, I think one of my favorite things about the olympics in general either winter or summer is seeing athletes do these things that normally you don't really see every day and just to appreciate the athleticism is unbelievable and that's certainly one where you can really appreciate like damn these dudes are insane like it seems like something really fun if you were good at it but it looks terrifying for for for, for most people like i can't imagine going down a slope that fast with that many turns like i mean I mean, people, people get really hurt when that goes bad. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So when our, we just had a super G who won a silver medal and in, and the, the beginning of January, 2021, he b- broke his vertebrae doing that same thing. So yeah. Uh, came Ryan, back in one. Story. Yeah. Ryan Cochran Siegel. He was actually my, uh, honorable mention for best moment because it didn't happen earlier when I was doing the research, but it just happened today. It happened today. Like a, like a couple hours ago. So he's my honorable mention. So I'll, I'll get into it. Uh, trade as you mentioned ryan cochran siegel he he won silver in super g today for team usa um what's also really cool is that his mom 50 years ago won the gold medal in that same event um so uh pretty high uh a really a really rich skiing uh, family history there um and as you say coming off that injury where he broke a vertebrae i mean that's pretty insane that he's back there and he and he won silver today so good for him um, awesome moment there. I was watching that live and he, he almost won gold. He, he, he was like, was a four, four, one hundred, four, one hundredths of a second behind the uh, gold medal winner. Uh, I don't remember his name, but I know he's from Austria. Um, yeah, I forget his name, but he's kind but of a he, legend. Yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like won three gold medals in that event. So he's kind of like the king of that, of, of that sport. So um, good for Ryan Cochran Siegel there. That's a pretty um, awesome moment. Um, but my best moment so far, I'm going to go back to figure skating and you guys can, you know, dissect this all you want, but uh, I'm going to go a non team USA person, uh, 15 year old uh, Camilla Valieva. I don't know if I pronounced that last name correctly. Um, if you guys have not had a chance to watch this young woman skate, you should watch it. Like go to YouTube, type in her name, watch both of her events, both her, uh, she did a, a what's it, they call it short, short short program and a free program. I can't remember what they call it, but the, but she's skated twice. Um, and I mean, if you appreciate just human dance and performance and movement, you have to watch this girl skate. It is unbelievable. There's every once in a while in a lifetime, you'll see athletes do perform at a level that's above even the best. This girl has it and she makes it look effortless on the ice. It's unbelievable. Um, she was the first woman ever to land a quad jump, which is basically you spin four times in the air and land it. First woman to ever do that at the Olympics, ever. Um, at 15. And she did, and she's 15 years old and she did it twice. She attempted it a third time. She did fall on the on the third, third attempt, but it didn't really matter because everyone's gonna remember the fact that she was the first woman ever to do it. She, 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 she did it twice uh, for Team Russia there. 
to help lead Team Russia to the gold medal in the team event for figure skating. Um, like I said, do yourself a favor and YouTube Camilla Valieva and her performance at the Olympics. It is in special. I, I hope you get goosebumps like I did watching it. It is incredible. It's quite amazing. It's quite amazing seeing um, the women start to do, do like a quad is kind of like a staple in a men's figure skating and it has been for a long time. It's amazing when now the women are starting to do those tricks that, you know, they've never been able to do. So uh, it, it's just, it's just amazing. And at 15 years old, like watch out. She's from Russia, I believe. Right, Tyler? Yeah. Russia. Um, so like I said, you know, they, uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing. So definitely take a, take five minutes out of your day and just watch that routine. It's, it's, it's pretty special. Um, so let's move on to the, uh, the sad part of it. There's been quite a bit of it, especially for team USA, uh, so far early, um, biggest disappointment trading. What do you got so far? Um, I, <laughs> This one just came to my mind, but I'm going to say um, I'm going to do an honorable mention and I'm going to say our slope style champions. Yeah. Just fucking shat the bed. Yeah. Um, Jamie Anderson was, go I, I believe, has won that uh, won the slope style event twice. And I've already talked about slope style. And then Red Gerard got knocked out of the podium and he was kind of expected to win. And it, it just goes to show. I mean, what's amazing, Tyler and James, for that matter, um, is the fact that. Gerard had a run that was, you know, he had 1440s. So that's, I, I don't, I forget how many revolutions that is. I can't do the math right now. Um, but it's, it, it, that, that kind of, it has been again, a staple in the, in the, um, in the Olympics. And in 2018, he had two of them and that was incredible. Well, now Max Perot won with two 1620s and a 1440. And then um, Si, uh, Su uh, Yiming, who is a, who is a Chinese silver medalist, he landed in 1800 twice in two different and two different um, uh, runs, which is six revolutions. That, I mean, it just it just goes to show that that that, that it's getting the, the, the athletes are getting younger. They're getting better. And what 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 worked four years ago ain't going to work anymore. And guess what? Everyone's going to be doing 1800s in four years. Right, Tyler. And it, so it's then it's like, what next? We're in for some, we're, we're in for a treat coming up, but um, I'm going to say the biggest disappointment, it has to be Brianna Deck. It has to be what happened to the greatest and uh, the greatest uh, female hockey player, probably on the planet right now, Brianna Decker in our, in, um, in America's first game against Finland got tangled in the first period, got tangled up with, with a defender. And um, I don't know the injury, Tyler, you're, I, I, I don't think I read it, but it was, what, what, what was really disappointing and sad about it is there's no fans there. And usually when there's injuries, you can't, you, you, I'm sure that athletes are screaming, but you probably can't hear them because there's the crowd so loud or at the moment you, there's no crowd and you could hear her just scream bloody murder. And it, it was, it's just heartbreaking. Um, and, and now the United States have to, are getting their depth, um, you know, uh, challenged. And right now we're down by two against Canada. It's just a preliminary. So it's not a huge deal, but you know, I, it, it, it's a worry going into going into the metal rounds. Yeah. Huge, huge bummer. Uh, you know, currently we're playing team Canada down four two. Um, it's like I said, that I think the depth is a huge part for both of these teams and to lose, lose a player like that is definitely a, a major blow to uh, team USA. Uh, I, I don't, like I said, I think with, with hockey and things like that, I don't think they've officially released what the specifics of the injury was, but the fact that she's out for the rest of the Olympics would make you think it was probably a, a fracture. Yeah, it kind of, 
it, it definitely looked like a lower body, possibly a tib fib kind of fracture there and kind of the way it looked and sounded. And yeah, it, it was, it was, it was not pretty. I mean, if you have to get carted off the ice, it's definitely not, not a good thing. Um, so hopefully, you know, uh, speedy recovery to, uh, to her and uh, hopefully team USA can step up. Um, but obviously that, that's a huge blow. It's not looking good right now on this. They're, they're playing uh, team Canada right now. It's just a pool stage. So it doesn't, you know, it's not a, a metal match or anything, but certainly for bragging rights and confidence boosting and seating wise, it certainly matters. Um, so hopefully we, they can, uh, they can step it up, but yeah, that's definitely a huge disappointment for team USA there. Um, James, are you catching up with the lingo so far with these 1400s and, and by, <laughs> by the way, 1800s, five revolutions, not six. I can't do math. Sorry. Yeah. Quad jumps and all this stuff. But what's your biggest disappointment so far? First of all, when y'all say revolutions, I just think of my car. But, <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a great. So they, they, they spun five times before landing. You said 18 billion or some shit. 1800. So 360 is one, two. You add it up. Math. Yeah. And I don't got a calculator. So that's a no. <laughs> Uh, biggest disappointment so far. Y'all hyped up curling way too much. <laughs> oh man, that, you're that so was wrong. that was the first. You're wrong. Sport, but... You're already wrong. <laughs> All right, well I'm done then. I'm so, just fucking with you. Next, just... uh, that was like the first thing. Like that was like the first thing to come on. I got the NBC app and it was like, oh yeah, replay curling. And I was like, oh yeah, let's fucking do this. Curling, everybody loves it. Trading loves it. Tyler loves it. Let's go. Let's, let's see what's about. I was pretty bored, guys. Um, where is the excitement in that? Where is the the fast pacedness of it? It's like this person takes a little stone thing, puts it on the ice, and then slowly goes with it for a second, and then lets it go. And it's just it's just going the distance, girl, fast, light. That's all you hear, and that that cool man, awesome. It wasn't very exciting. Um, I mean, it, it's really not for everyone. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. It's one of those. I think, I think you guys love it so much because it's something that y'all can actually do. You're not going down a hill going 82 miles an hour. Well, first of all, I can ski. So I, so that. Not 82 it, miles an hour. Not 82 miles an hour. But um, we, I can't curl. Neither could you. Neither could Tyler. You could we try could it. Yeah, of course we could try it. You could, I could try skiing 82 miles an hour. I'd probably die, but I could, I could try. <laughs> You're not going to die doing curling. So but, you know, but, that's, but my, that's true. But <laughs> well, hopefully. It, the reason I like it to you be take fair, the Swiffer too hard to your face. One. Yeah. Right. You slip the the reason I like it to be fair is because I understand it and that's tough. I mean, if you don't, if it, I, I had the, why I was, is the middle you, called a house? Exactly. Why is, why are the field goals called the field goal post? Like it's the same shit. Like you take it to the house. Yeah. You, you take that a football to the house. The far, you take That's like the farthest end of it, but the house is the middle. The house is the that's middle. Where you that's, score that you, you, you live inside a house. I in the middle the of walls. You live what in the middle. Is up to you. Anyway, um, the host. <laughs> I, I was like you, James. To be honest, uh, I'm gonna say You're maybe nothing like me. Three three Olympics ago, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I sat down. I I distinctly remember. I sat down with my dad, and he and he kind of explained the game and explained the strategy behind it. And that's when you start to be like, "Wow!" It's like you gain a little bit of appreciation for it. It's not for everyone. I understand that. Yeah, I would agree. It's definitely not for everyone. Um, I the one thing about curling that that is that is kind of funny with James. I do agree with you. Is they scream and yell at a, at a volume that is completely unnecessary. Um, there is like 
10 people in this entire arena and they're yelling like it's game seven of the world series and they're like right next to them too it's a crazy yeah it's like you it's can, like bro you can, you can obviously like, raise your voice you don't need to talk like in, the, you know, the funny you thing is scream there's no the reason best, the scream. best part is the best part is james you've only seen mixed doubles which yeah. we haven't even seen the four-man teams yeah, that four is people. even fucking crazier because there's four oh, people yeah see that makes more sense because i definitely tried to look up the rules for it and they were like each person throws one and i was like you're lying to me because each person was like i don't yeah. even there's just two N- people out mixed, there mixed doubles is is new it's I, they've only had it they've had it way less than the regular uh curling so there's actually four people there's a shooter two two uh, sweepers and the guy in the end that's kind of helping guide the the sweeper so it's a it's a, even louder it's even more ridiculous <laughs> yeah our our uh, usa team didn't do very well with mixed doubles um which italy, brings me though. to my to my did well pretty good though yeah italy is amazing italy Italia. i i don't know when their gold medal game is but it's soon yeah coming up on that one uh which brings me to my disappointment um obviously it's early but so far uh no gold medals for team usa and they've had plenty of opportunities to do so in, in events that they normally do win as Traden did mention uh slope style probably being the most disappointing so far both of the the reigning champions uh jamie anderson and uh red gerard didn't even medal um in both of these events um it was the first time ever that team usa did not win gold in snowboard slope style um that was one that we definitely expected to win um and there was a few chances too. I think, you know, I think, like I said, we've won four silvers. I think probably at least two of those probably could have been golds and should have been golds for us. Um, so like I said, we'll, it's like I said, like a, a lot of Olympics left. The fact that we're ninth right now in the medal count is like kind of like a surprise and a huge, a huge uh, bummer for me so far. Um, you know, we're not always leading, the, the middle count the entire time, but we're definitely at least in the top five pretty much from the get-go. So the fact that we're, I mean, the only reason that we're ninth was because of uh, Ryan Cochran Siegel winning that silver in Super G. Before that, we were in like 14th. So um, we need to step it up a little bit. Between uh, Michaela Schifrin falling on her first yeah, round. Yeah, Schifrin's not doing that great. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not been great. Uh, right now, we, the best we can do right now is second place. Um, like I said, all medals matter, but uh, the fact that we have no gold to show for it yet, um, we, certainly a concern. And we uh, got our girl Chloe Kim. I think she she yeah. knows high pipe. I'm I'm not even gonna say Sean White because I think he I think he a he needs a walker to get out there because he's so old. And there <laughs> even he thinks that they're way beyond him. So uh, even though he created his own trick and he's the only one in half pipe history to get a perfect hundred score. He's not even going to be, I don't think he's going to win, be on the podium. So, yeah. So I think honestly, though, I think a lot of, uh, you know, the slope style events that we're almost like, we're going to win this in gold for sure. Didn't happen. So hopefully there's a few more snowboarding events. I think USA snowboarding is, you know, probably some of the best in the world along with, you know, Canada and uh, Australia, yeah. New Zealand, for some reason um, are really good at snowboarding. Um, so it's, it's fun, but it, it, it makes the competition really fun and it makes the winter Olympics super fun because you don't know what to expect. And there's always surprises around the corner. So hopefully you guys have been tuning in. Um, you can, guys can always watch highlights. Um, you know, obviously prime time and all this stuff is like when we're sleeping and all this stuff, but you can always catch up the next morning. So hopefully you guys tune in more. Still a ton of Olympics to go on. Still a ton of medals up for grabs. Hopefully next week <clears throat> during our update, uh, team USA will climb the medal count a little bit better um but yeah this uh hockey game too is not going so great so nope. uh team usa you know we're, we're we're rooting for you off to a rough start but hopefully we can uh we can bounce back a little bit here but james 
that's all I got for the Winter Olympics. Awesome job, Tyler. And that brings us to the end of episode 84, which is Cordell Patterson's number. I've been thinking about that this entire episode. I was like, what is 84? What does that correlate with Cordell Patterson of the Atlanta Falcons? But real fast, let's recap this episode here. What we learned today. There are two things good in hockey at all times. There are two bad things in hockey at all times. And there are two things related to numbers about hockey at all times. Secondly, if you're watching the Super Bowl, watch the Super Bowl at home and the Bengals are going to win. And last but not least, the USA is not doing too hot in the Winter Olympics, but you should watch the Winter Olympics. That being said, hope you guys have a good rest of your week. We sure will. We'll see you next week.